1: In this episode of Idea City on the air, Jim Harris speaks about turning industries upside down. Now let's join Moses as he introduces Jim to the stage.
0: Our next speaker is Idea City's best customer. He's Jim Harris, and uh, for many, many years. He has supported Idea City, uh, not only with his personal presence, but he's brought many terrific, interesting people to the conference and uh, to our attention. And um, while you see his biography, uh, what's not mentioned in the biography is that Jim was for a number of years the leader of the Green Party in Canada, Jim Harris.
2: So we're going to be talking about disruption, perhaps from a perspective, given Moses' intro, you wouldn't expect. I'm going to be talking about disruptive innovation. And uh, all these companies are the largest in the world, but they don't have any. So Alibaba is the largest retailer in the world by market cap or value, but it doesn't have any inventory. When you buy from Alibaba, it's direct shipped to you from the manufacturer. Airbnb is the largest provider of accommodation in the world, but it doesn't own a single room. Facebook creates more content than any other company, media company in the world, but it doesn't create a single piece of content. You and I create it. Uber is worth more than every taxi cab company in North America added together, and you can tack on a 20% premium, but do you know what? It doesn't own a single taxi. And Skype facilitates more long distance international phone calls than all the major telcos in the world added together, but it doesn't own any twisted pair of copper. And when I was at CES this year, consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, uh, Netflix announced it would enter 130 new countries with its offering, making it the first global cable company in the world, but it doesn't own any cable. And organizations have to change, not just to save the planet, but to stay in business. Airbnb, it's a great case study. This is uh, looking at the exponential growth in rooms, uh, you know, listings, guest nights. And a, a year and a half ago, the uh, co-founder of it tweeted this out. He said, you know, Marriott's gonna add 30,000 rooms next year. Kind of like, good for them. We're gonna do that in the next two weeks. (laughs) You know, do you think that's gonna change the way the hoteling business does, its business works, and its profitability? You know, FIFA, the world soccer match, was in Brazil, and what do you do if you're a public policymaker and 600,000 people are going to descend on your country to watch this? Do you build new hotels that then remain empty for the next 50 years? Well in fact, Airbnb, a new business model, can help you because it put up 120,000, 20% of those visitors so they don't, didn't have to overbuild. and then have to, on taxpayers' dime, fund empty buildings for the remainder of their lives. Last year GM sold 10 million cars, 2015, and on Friday its market cap or value was 46 billion. So let's look at a different car company, Tesla. They only sold 50,000 cars last year, and on Friday they were worth 32 billion dollars. GM is being valued at $4,600 for every car it produces, and Tesla is being valued at over half a million. The market knows how to value innovation, it's just, are our organizations innovative enough? This is Elon launching the Tesla Model 3 uh, about a month and a half ago, and uh, they got 300,000 orders in the first four days, which was worth $12.6 billion. Um, so GM, which had prior dismissed electric vehicles as being irrelevant, uh, had a 2 by 4 to the head. And you'll, you'll notice that last week they announced they're going to create 750 jobs in Ontario to focus on electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, wow. They got religion because of this uh, 13 billion 2x4. <laughs> so the market is changing. And companies, if they want to stay in business, have to change with it. This, by the way, was the most successful car launch, not just electric vehicle, but all cars, any car in the history of the world. And in the luxury category, Tesla is beating everyone. Every luxury vehicle is being beaten by Tesla. So it's just a matter of time before that moves down market to the lower-priced vehicles. This is Apple's investment in R&D in the car, in red. It's 20 times more than all car companies added together are investing. You know, the millennials aren't driving. They don't even have a license. You know, they're using Uber. They're using Lyft. It's a totally different business model. Apple wants to make transportation an app on your iPhone. Does that mean Apple's gonna be a competitor to GM? Yes. If I were GM, I'd be very, very scared. <laughs> have you heard about the 10-day traffic jam in uh, Beijing? Like, we think we have it bad in Toronto. <laughs> I get frustrated if there's a you know, 15-minute stop and go. How do you deal with a 10-day traffic jam? Where do you go to the bathroom? How do you eat? <laughs> Like, I mean, some pretty basic questions. And then, this is Beijing, fog, it's not fog, it's smog, and the next day clear. If you can't breathe in Beijing, if you have 10-day traffic jams, how many more cars can the automakers jam into Beijing? There are limits to growth. The Club of Rome told us this in 1972 when we're kind of waking up to it. And do we really, understand what is truly possible, or do we think big enough? I want to ask you, what's the best we could do in a combustion engine, in terms of miles per gallon or liters per hundred kilometers? So it wouldn't be an electric car. This is one of the interactive pieces of the (laughs) presentation here. It's obviously a Canadian group, nobody wants to go first. So who has the second insight as to what a... We've
0: got to do about six liters per hundred kilometers.
2: Six liters per hundred kilometers, that's... uh, For hybrids. For hybrids, that's about, uh, you know, 50 miles per gallon. Well, does this stretch your imagination? 12,665 miles per gallon. Now, the guy is lying prone, so, you know, his feet, those are his feet there. So, you might say, well, you know, your mom isn't gonna get into this, and there's, (laughs) with her bad hip, and there's no room for the kids or the spouse, and where do you put the groceries? So, I'll give you that, but does 12,000 miles per gallon stretch your mind in terms of what is possible? And are we anywhere near approaching what is technically possible? So, this isn't, you know, this is in existence right now. But you might say, uh, given that's not really a car, let's take uh, a vehicle that came off a mass production line and was tweaked. So it has all its original parts, but it was tweaked. So this is a 1959 Opal, a wonder of modern technology that in the first oil crisis in 73, when the price of oil quadrupled in, four, in just 18 months, was tweaked by engineers to get almost 400 miles per gallon. So do you think there's been no technological innovation since either 1959 or 1973? Are we coming anywhere near to what we can do? And I want to argue that sustainability is not a nice thing to do. It's essential to stay in business and it's essential for us to maintain life on this planet. If the airline industry improved its fuel efficiency by a mere 1%, it would double its profitability. Do you know the airline industry globally only makes $8 per passenger? In, in North America it's a bit higher, it's 18 So when you're on that Air Canada flight in economy and they come by and they want to sell you those headphones for $5, they're doing it because they want to increase their profit by 30%. <laughs> So is fuel efficiency a nice thing to do or a need
1: to do? Coming up after the break.
2: 75% of our focus is on product innovation, but it only yields 10% of the business value. 90% of the value is in business model innovation, and that's what we're not focusing on.
1: Welcome back to Idea City on the air. You're listening to Jim Harris speak about turning industries upside down.
2: We're talking about innovation, and if you ask people on the street, what is innovative, they will typically answer this you know, it's a smartphone, it's the iPhone that's innovative. And that's what we get, but there are many kinds of innovation. And 75% of our focus is on product innovation, but it only yields 10% of the business value. 90% of the value is in business model innovation, and that's what we're not focusing on. So think about Uber. Did Uber reinvent what a taxi is? No, a taxi is a taxi is a taxi. But they changed the customer experience profoundly. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. It's like New Year's Eve, you call a taxi cab company, they're not there a half hour later, you call back, they say they came, you weren't there, they left. Oh, so let me understand. You want me to stand outside in the sleet with my spouse waiting for the taxi, and that's good customer service. You see, if you use Uber, you see when the vehicle is coming to your spot, you walk out of your party 30 seconds you know, after it's arrived, you step in, you don't get wet, and you leave. In Las Vegas, the taxicab companies want to charge me $3.50 to use my credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber, of course, you just, when you arrive at your destination, you open the door and you leave. When I got into a lift in Las Vegas, the guy, the guy says, uh, would you like a bottle of water? Would you like a candy? Would you like me to turn on the massage unit in the back seat for you? <laughs> You know, he's angling for a five-star rating from me, right? He wants to maintain his five-star rating. Uh, Do you get this service from taxis that you take in Toronto? And you know what the response of the taxi cab industry is? To develop their own apps. You know, so... Beck's Taxi and Checkered and, oh yeah, I want to download 13 different taxi apps in Toronto and New York and Vegas and uh, London and everywhere I go. I want to have 19,000 taxi apps (laughs) on my smartphone. That's what I want to do. You see, they're not thinking cooperatively. There's a word coopetition. You know, when you get the Toronto Star or the Globe and Mail and the National Post, it's one single delivery person who gives you all three, because that's not the competitive advantage of one of these newspapers. They realized they had to change and work together. I was recently hired by a uh, developer of shopping malls, they're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars developing a brand new shopping mall, and they flew experts from around the world. Due to an NDA I signed, I can't tell you what country it's in or what city, but I'll share with you some of the insights I shared with them. And uh, If you were going to have an asset that was worth a billion dollars, wouldn't it be worthwhile to spend a million dollars figuring out how to double the value of that asset? Well, that's what flying 30 international experts from around the world in to look at this was all about. The concept I shared with them was return on invested capital. And I can't understand a complex concept unless I have a simple story. So here it is. When McDonald's originally opened, they only served lunches and dinners. So when they opened for breakfast, they increased their ROIC by 50% because now they had three meals to make profit on, but they still had the same bricks and mortar and tables and chairs and square footage of parking lots. You know, when they opened drive-through windows, they radically increased their ROIC. I'll share a shocking fact with you. More than half of McDonald's sales are through the drive-through window in North America. That means they've doubled their sales with the same amount of bricks and mortar. And think about this. When you drive through the drive-through window, you're providing the seating, the cleaning, the washrooms, the garbage disposal. And do they charge you any less? No. So they're increasing their profitability by thinking about their business differently. So this was the advice to the shopping mall. How do you double the sales of your bricks and mortar by having only one shopping mall? And it's not by thinking the way you've always thought. It's by doing things fundamentally different. There are gonna be a thousand different merchants in your mall. Do you want them all to have an app? You know, do you want 19,000 taxi apps? No, you want one app to rule them all, like the Lord of the Rings said. One app to rule them all. And imagine that as a merchant, you sell 10 million dollars a month On credit cards in your retail store, and you get charged 2.75% by Moneros. But if all those transactions were aggregated through one mall payment system, the mall might get 1%. So the mall could go to the merchants and say, hey, come through ours, it's actually we're going to build it into the lease as a requirement. And you're going to get 2.50, which is better than you can do by dealing directly with uh, Moneris or Visa or whatever, and we're going to make more money in arbitrage than we do by leasing out space. But I'd like to ask you, you know, the developer's going to go spend 200 million dollars on bricks and mortar, how much do you think the average mall developer spends on apps? Zero? Oh, you're exactly right. (laughs) I knew this was a really bright audience. You see, I have no competence in app developing as a mall developer, but if I want to thrive, if I don't want to give my business to Amazon, I need to change. Because mobile is eating the world. You know, millennials, this is how they live their life, and the frightening thing is, more than half of Canadian businesses are not even optimized for the mobile web. Do you see a disconnect? Do you see disruption? In fact, app revenue is now greater than Hollywood's North American revenue. Yet apps didn't exist pre-08. So we need to really think differently. How about don't force people to come to the mall; bring the mall to the people. There's this little uh, organic uh, restaurant down on Girard I like, and about 15% of their business is through Uber Eats. Uh, I'm in my pajamas, I'm too tired, I'm outside the catchment area for this little place, but I can call Uber Eats and I can get my favorite food delivered to me. Uh, Boom. So Uber's not just going to be about moving people, it's going to be about moving everything. But why doesn't this mall develop its own type of, why give all the profit to Uber? Develop its own system that's going to be a lower cost than all the merchants developing their own and make arbitrage on that. For the same reasons we need to profoundly change to save our planet, it's the same reasons we need to profoundly change to save our businesses. Thank you so much.
0: That's another thing that's different about Jim is uh, he's got progressive creds to burn but he's interested in business and increasingly what I find is the people on the left seem to be more and more antagonistic to business the very idea of business especially big business and then you have the crazies in the leap group and they want to roll us back into some other kind of primitive life so it's interesting that Jim can be progressive and Interested in business
1: at the same time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the air. Catch Moses Nymer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube.com slash Ideacity.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.